on Friday night in the symbolic repetition. We say, Baruch Atah Adonai Eloheinu Veloi Avoteinu Elohei Avraham Elohei Yitzchak Veloi Yaakov Elohei Sarah Elohei Vika Elohei Rachel Veloi Leah Ha'el Hagadol Hagibor Vahanora El Elyon And we all know what's coming next and then it isn't because it says Konehe Shamayim Va'aretz And you're like, that's a little different than the Amidah that I'm used to. And of course, it comes directly from Genesis 14 and it's on page 81. And it begins, it is spoken by King Melchizedek of Salem. Uh, to Avram, you are, may you be most blessed from the god El Elyon, and that's the god who Kone Shamaim Va'aretz. So, and then Avram repeats it, and that's where we get it from. The one who owns or acquires or created, who it possesses heaven and earth. In the commentaries, uh, the Kliyakar comments on this and says, in what way is this significant? The world, the Shamayim and the Aretz, the world which had been a going concern was destroyed and rebuilt in the lifetime of this King Melchizedek. So having seen the world created and destroyed in the flood and now rebuilt, he refers to the world as tools of the Holy One, of a plan that's coming to be. The commentator, the Akedat Yitzchak, quotes Masachet Pesachim in the Talmud to say what other tools are part of this plan of rebuilding the world, a world in which these tools are, quote, for God's grand design, that humans should come to use wisdom to appreciate God and creation. And the Kliyakar adds to the Torah, heaven and earth, adds the temple, there's a tool of the Holy One for a divine plan that's unfolding and the Jewish people. I think that the Talmud is meaning us here when it calls us attention to these tools to imply Avraham as well. Because it's right here, it's you, Avraham, who has reminded me to praise God for the, these tools of the divine plan of heaven and earth. So how is Avraham and Avraham later, how is he a tool and in what divine plan? Lech lecha, go for your own benefit, go for your sake. What does that mean, and how is that involved in a divine plan? I'd like to quote from a book that was given to me by a congregant, a book called Change or Die by Alan Deutschman. It says that, to me, it's what lech lecha means. What does it mean, go for your own sake? So what if you have to change? What if the God says, you know, you got too high cholesterol, or God says, you know, you got to quit the smoking, or God says, there's some element of your lifestyle, of your life, and change or die. And Alan Deutschman argues that he has an exact formula. The odds, and I attribute this to him, I'm always a little skeptical of um, statistics. He says that according to mostly medical uh, studies, you have a nine to one chance against you of actually changing based on someone telling you, you need to change or else. So what if God had a plan and God told Avram, you know, you got no future there where you are right now or of the Chaldeans, you got no future there. And I'm telling you right now, you need to go for your own sake or 
you're never really going to change. You're not going to have any future. Literally, we're told that you know Sarah is not giving birth. Whether it means she's permanently barren or she just hasn't she hasn't gotten pregnant yet, there literally doesn't seem to be any future per se. So God says basically, lech lecha, change or die. But in order to do that, so now I go back to the book, change or die. So what would help you to change, even if you're not prone to? So Alan Deutschman says, there are three things that don't work, for the most part. Number one, facts. <laughs> if you bury someone in the facts of, I'm giving you the statistics, I'm telling you what the probabilities are, I'm telling you what's going on, you need to change or die. That usually doesn't work with rationally informing. Number two, scare tactics. I'm telling you, you want to do this, you want to be there, you want to live to this age instead of living to a different age. And I'm not talking about people who are terminal. I'm talking about, you know, okay, Nadav, you're 53. You know, you want to dance at your girls' uh, weddings and see your, and see your grandchildren? You got to make some changes or you will die before it happens. I say, I'll take you up on that in the future. I will look into that. I promise to read all the information you just gave me at some point with all of these pamphlets. Um, and uh, eventually they'll be recycled. So facts don't work. Rash, scare tactics don't work. And in general, force doesn't work. So what does work according to Alan Deutschman? Number one, relate. You need to form a new emotional relationship with a person or community that inspires you and sustains hope. Lech lecha, change or die, step one, you need to form a new community because the emotional community that will give you a future where there really isn't one, although he's prospering, Avram, he's prospering where he is, it's not like all bad, he's not desperate, talking about in the deep future, you need to leave because you need to create a community that inspires and sustains hope. Besides relate, number two, you have to repeat. Right? So if the three F's don't work, then the three R's might. Relate, repeat. The new relationship you have with either this mentor or preferably, most likely, and most successfully, a new community will help you learn, practice, and master new habits and skills that you'll need. So in that community of the emotional relationship of hope and inspiration, and then repeat, 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 we're training you in these new habits, right? It's all well and good now that you're here in India, but we're all vegetarians, so you're gonna be vegetarian while you're here. And when you go back to America, I don't know, maybe you'll stay vegetarian and won't clog your arteries or whatever the latest research is. But in that community, you repeat the skills. And finally, reframe. The Renew relationship helps you learn new ways of thinking about your situation and your life. So you look at the world differently. Avram needs to leave to create that community. He needs then to have a community in which these new habits are repeated over and over again and the people in it are connected to those habits. And the frame of it all has to be different because normally, when people give you, what he says, if I remember correctly, is that um, he quotes George Lakoff, many of us know, the cognitive psychologist, researcher, facts don't change our concepts. We fit facts we are given, 
even uncomfortable ones, into the concepts and frame we already have. So we need an entirely new frame in which those concepts are alive and well. So lech lecha, which I translate in a way as change or die, but now I'm going to tell you how. First of all, you got to leave. There's no future where you are. And now you go off, and then we look a little bit at the life that he lives. And in that life, think of the parallels to, and this is a big piece of Ramban, Nachmanides. Think of the course of how that community is going to come to be through Avram's experiences and how later the course of the Israelite community, Judaism, will come to be as a community. So, of course, he goes off and there's drought. Avram and Sarah with their retainers go off. There's drought and they end up as refugees going to Egypt. It happens again, of course, not only with Isaac, but also when the Israelites, because of drought, come and join Joseph in Egypt. In the next step, Avram has to, says that, Sarah, you're my sister, because this is too dangerous a place, this kind of community, in which if I say you're my wife, in order to get you, they might kill me. And so they're separated, and Sarah, Sarai goes into the harem of the king. And Nachmanides reminds us that think of the rule about killing the firstborn males, but not the women. And then later, Pharaoh separates in our story at the Exodus before that separates the men from the women so they cannot procreate. So the men have to stay in the fields and the women stay at home. And here, the men and the women are separated and so there won't be any possible future. We realize that the inheritance is now gone for Avram. Whatever inheritance he would have had in his homeland, he has no claim to it now. Similarly to we did. Where we're prosperous under Yaakov and with the tribes in Canaan, but we had to give up that entire inheritance in order to re-receive it anew. And Avram becomes a different person by basically becoming a man who makes covenants. And in covenants, you don't try to get everything you need or everything you want, but you share so there's mutual benefit. Lot doesn't see that. Lot says, I want all the good land. Avram says, fine. You know what? You take what you need. I'll take what I need. When um, Avram is being given the gift of the burial plot for his wife, he says, no, I want to pay full. Like, I want it even. I, I don't want uh, to owe. And in other cases, of course, Avram is making covenants where he, with the kings. When he wins the war, is entitled to all the booty from the War of the Nine Kings, he also gives a significant amount back. He doesn't demand to have an entire inheritance. He's willing to share it in the name of this new frame, this new frame being covenant and mutual benefit and trust. By the way, with his sister, I mean, with Sarai being his sister, he changes and recognizes her autonomy, right? He, didn't, he says, please act like my sister. You know, it'll be go wet better with us. I don't know if Sarai really appreciates that. And later when Sarai says, you know, I want to kick Ishmael out in the Torah portion, and Avram, I mean, it's his son. He recognizes, I know God validates it, but he accepts her decision. And that could also be a way he grew 
from being in the first part of his life to I'm not really giving you a choice to then realizing I have to respect what her wishes. He goes from being defenseless in Egypt to building up a massive retainer, basically an army. So he goes, as the Israelites do, after leaving Egypt in the wilderness, they have to have a draft. They focus on it several times and say, we have been victims, now we will be strong. And of course, he sees the treatment of the foreigners in Egypt, Avram, and then he becomes a man of hospitality and creates the new frame of hospitality. Remember also the plagues upon the Pharaoh because of his having Sarai among the king of Egypt because he has Sarai in his harem. Parallel the plagues in the story of Moses and the Exodus. So Avram and later the Israelites and actually Yitzchak too they undergo a series of experience to create a new frame, a new frame of covenant, a new frame of respecting autonomy, including that of women, which repeats itself with Moses, as we know, and the daughters of Tzolofachad and in other ways. And he becomes the tool of the Holy One for creating a society in which the rest of us get to be inspired in a different kind of community, repeat the training in the values that were thus developed, and then share that frame of values and the training with those beyond us, the ones who are the little ones following the Torah, moving into the future. So maybe what Lech Lecha means, change or die, is I know that staying there, people don't. But moving out into the world, you will create the community that inspires. You will connect the connection of relation and trust where you people trust in you. And then you will create the mitzvot that raise people to be inspired and to share the values that God means to bring into this world.